Thank you, Paul. I do like to be called Papa Joe. My Skype name is Sweet Papa Joe. <laughs> so, I kind of SPJ for short. Uh, the topic I'm teaching on tonight is loving God and our neighbor. So, that kind of fits. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you were to have a bumper sticker for your life that you could you could uh, put in your car, what would be your life message? What would it be? Think about that one a little bit. Um, anybody still do Facebook here? How many? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I mentioned, uh, you know, the teenagers are doing Instagram, I guess, more than Facebook. So, so my daughter, Ann, uh, the youngest, I have two daughters. Um, on her, you get a chance on Facebook to write down your religious views. Remember what you wrote? Uh, what, was it, what did you write? Love. Love. It's kind of a way of giving you a life message. My, my daughter wrote, love my neighbor, or love your neighbor. And then she put in parentheses, yes, that one. <laughs> 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 we all have a that one neighbor. I've, I've got a lot of different things I would say, but I'm going to share with you what I, a vision, the BIM way of transforming your heart so that you can be what this beloved daughter of the Father described this evening, that we could have a vision. We got VIM. This is what you want, VIM, to be the kind of person, this is the vision I have for my life, that easily and without even thinking about it loves God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loves my neighbor as myself. Or the way that Jesus said, love my neighbor, love one another as I've loved you. He kind of expanded on that. Someone love others as Jesus loved me. That's my vision, is to be the kind of person. What God gets out of me in my life is my life, not all my accomplishments, all the things I've done. What God gets out of me is the person I'm becoming. So it's a transformation through the VIM, what I call the VIM way of being transformed, to be the kind of person that just without even thinking about it loves God with all that I am, all my parts. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, all my parts, my, my body, my heart, my mind, my will, my emotions, my soul, which is a part of me that runs it all, all of me, I want to love God, be the kind of person who just Without, without even think about, thinking about it, it says, I, want, I love God. And, uh, and I want to be the kind, I want you to say about me when Joe died, dies, he really loved Jesus. He really loved God. He really loved the Holy Spirit. He really loved the Father. So I'm the kind of person that just can't even think about doing, and just, uh, it just comes easy for me. There's a sign in Heathrow Airport, and, and if you've ever been in London, <laughs> it's a pretty good one. Right? You know, don't even think about parking here. It's kind of like, don't even have the thought. And that's, I don't, I, what I want is just don't even think about not loving God. It's not in me. I'm the kind of person that can do that. Well, how do I get there? Well, there, I'm going to talk to you about the VIM method and, and the way we become that kind of person. So we need a vision. This works for your job. It works for your relationship, for your marriage. What's my vision? What? what a, 
And in order for this vision to take place, we need also to access the kingdom. But that's the means. We're going to talk about the means. But we often write, go to the means. We need to have the vision. And if you lose, if you have trouble in, your, in, in community or in your marriage, it's a good chance, or in your relationship, your friendships, it's a good chance that you lost your way in terms of what vision you have for your life. You know, people who go through a depressed, lost, they, not, they lost their vision for their life. I know some of you are battling depression. I just... I know it. And it's kind of like losing hope. And you wonder if you'll ever feel happy again. And so, Lord, I just pray that tonight you might get a vision back for your life. And so that you could have hope and laugh from your heart. And so that how do I, well, the, how do, the next step in this VIM method, an acronym for this for VIM is intention. I've decided. I'm going to be this kind of person. I've decided I'm going to be an apprentice of Jesus. I'm going to hang around with Jesus and people who love Jesus. And so, because see what, here's part of the vision is, Paul describes it in 1 Thessalonians. He says, let this love of Christ just flow and be abundant in you. So when people bump into you, God's love splashes on them. So it's like if you bump into me, the love of God, in a way that you, we connect, that love just flows out of me. I'm overwhelmed with God's love. That's Paul, Paul's word, Romans 5. The Holy Spirit will overwhelm you with the love of God. But we decide to do this. We don't slide into discipleship. Kind of just, well, it'll happen. No, we, I, we decide. I decided I'm going to love God. I'm going to love my neighbor. And that for me, that means hanging around Jesus, being his apprentice. So I want to learn with Jesus how to live my life as Jesus would live my life if he were Sweet Papa Joe. <laughs> so it's not what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus do if he were living as in my life? And so really, Jesus loves through you. And there's no love that's going to be quite like the love that they get from you because it's incarnational. Your gift and you as a woman, as a man, that Jesus loves through you. And when people love you, that's kind of an interesting thing. You've got some unbelieving friends. It's kind of sneaky, but... They're really loving Jesus, <laughs> too. Because <laughs> when they love you, you know that Jesus is in you. So they're getting Jesus' love. So I've decided to do this. You remember when you decided, I will follow Jesus? It's as important to say I've decided to be a follower of Jesus. That's what I put on Facebook. I'm a follower of Jesus. The word Christian, I think, doesn't have a, what I want to say. Um, think about that. What a... What a gift to be a follower of Jesus. Amen. I have a friend who died a couple of years ago. His name is Dallas Willard. He's written some wonderful books. Taught it almost 50 years at USC. The Trojans. You know about the... You guys, you guys don't play the Trojans, do you out here? <laughs> anyway, it's a football... To, uh, anyway, the, so he's a, he's a philosophy professor there, but he's the best Bible teacher I've ever heard. And... And students, when they would take his logic class in philosophy, he was the head of the philosophy department for a while, they, they, they would learn two things they would, would want to know after they'd seen him in action for a couple of months. They would ask other professors, is he the real deal? Because this guy really lives this life. And so people would come up to him, students at USC would come up to him and say, I hear you, I hear you are a follower of Jesus. Why is that? Why do you do that? <laughs> and he would answer, well... Can you think of anyone who would be better to follow? Well, not really. Um, Jesus, I think, was the smartest person that ever lived. 
He was the smartest person that ever lived. Okay, so that's my decision I make. I'm intending to do this. And the third thing would be the means. The vim, the M and the means. And <clears throat> there's a basic golden triangle that Dallas talks about in terms of the means. Okay, here's my vision. I'm going to love God, all the parts of me, including my body. So in worship tonight, you are loving God with your body, with your heart, with your will, and so forth. So I, that's the vision. So I need, first of all, this goes for everyone. Some of these things we'll talk about on means. We'll, you will choose different ones than I will choose. It's because uh, spiritual disciplines, can, you can have a hundred things you can do as a spiritual discipline. If you're doing it, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, to do something you can't do by direct effort. See, I, I have to love that person. Oh, it doesn't, doesn't work. But if I spend time with Jesus in, in silence and solitude, and, and actually this is one of my means that, that I, it's quite interesting. I like to use the word that John used to describe his relationship with Jesus. He said, I'm the one that Jesus loves. <laughs> so this is what I do, I skip. I am the one that Jesus loves. I am the one. You try. When's the last time you skipped? I am the one that Jesus loves. And my, <laughs> and my body, when I, my body starts moving in a skip, and I start, th I have that thought. And you can do it with anything you do physically, because if you start a habit, just declaring, "I'm the one that Jesus loves." In some physical action, your body starts doing it and your mind goes there. And for those of you guys who battle depression, when I lift weights, you know that through weightlifting, serotonin is replenished in your body. That's the, that's the neurotransmitter that well, helps you to calm anxiety. So here's my, here's my, almost comes easy, I'm, I'm lifting. Here comes the serotonin, here comes the serotonin. <laughs> Here comes the serotonin. <laughs> okay, I, the means. We <clears throat> I want to talk about our life. I believe you could, we could say for everyone here is that we are unceasing spiritual beings. When you die, who you are as a person doesn't stop living. Death ends your life on earth. But who I am as a person keeps going. I'm an unceasing spiritual being created by God for a transforming friendship with Holy Spirit, Jesus, and my dearest Father. So the power, I access the kingdom to love God, my neighbor, by this transforming friendship with each person of the Trinity. And, and I believe that we are to intentionally say yes to each person. The word for receive, John 1, those who received him, remember that verse? <clears throat> Become the children of God, receive. Lambano means to take a hold of with both hands. It's not passive. So when did you give your life to Jesus and receive him into your heart? You know when that was. Well, God touched you in baptism, I believe. But he says he wants us to say yes to his yes. I accept your love, Jesus. I, I want you in my life. I want what Jesus wants. There's a different way of saying that. So I say yes to Jesus and that friendship with Jesus. <clears throat> I can say Jesus is my best friend. <clears throat> you remember, have you ever heard of Heidi Baker? She was the first one that said the Holy Spirit is my best friend. 
And I like to say that too. There was a time I was 19 years old when I received the Holy Spirit. And I, some a pastor laid hands on me and I was a second year student in college. I said, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. And surrendered my heart to him. And I started praying in tongues and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And my life was radically changed. I made appointments with the leaders in the campus to talk to them about what happened to me. I would sing in tongues and pray in tongues in the shower as loud as I could because no one could hear me. And I was so hungry for the Bible, I took a year off from college and went to New Jersey and just studied the Bible. <laughs> I can't believe I did this, but I swore off dating for nine months. I think I made it eight. Uh, but um, <laughs> it was crazy. I was just crazy. But anyway, so I just was so hungry for the Bible, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and tonight, I, I want to pray, if anyone wants it, I have some holy oil that, to anoint you for just a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, oil, you know, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I got a little confession to tell you about this oil. So most July now, I spend in Norway, and I teach there, and Holy Land for Lutherans. Actually, <laughs> Minnesota's the Holy Land too, I think. Right? So here's this guy. He's a, he's a Coptic bishop, St. Thomas, an Egyptian church. You know, there's charismatic Egyptian uh, Coptic church in Egypt. And so he had a seminar, and I got in the and he anointed everyone with oil and prayed a blessing on me. I couldn't hardly stand up. And, and after he'd left off, took off, I looked over and he had left this bottle of oil on the, on the piano. <laughs> and then he left town, so I, I couldn't, <laughs> what could I do? <laughs> so that's holy oil blessed from Egypt. So we need the Holy Spirit, that's the means, and we need Jesus, we need friendship with the Father, now the Father, I mean, who did you meet first in becoming a friend with the Trinity, Jesus, Holy Spirit, or Father? Who met Jesus first? Raise your hand, kind of, who met Holy Spirit first? Anybody? Who met the Father first? Some of you? So, yeah, I kind of did it all three. So I know I met Jesus first. And uh, then I met Holy Spirit when I was 19. And the Holy Spirit became more than a word and a creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came out of the creed and has done lots of fun stuff. So I, and then I met Father. My father died, as I've shared with you, uh, when I was seven. So I've always longed for a daddy's love, for a father's blessing. So I pursued that. And so many ways, even tonight, you know, I like tall guys because... When, you, when they put their arm around, I get to lean into their shoulder. I was just leaning in and soaking in a father's love from a brother. So you have this transforming friendship. and you know, who, you, know, you can say a loving friendship with God. Then the a second part of the means is what's called testing. Circumstances of life. Suffering. And, and those are really important uh, part of our growth. In loving. How would you learn, know what compassion is like if you've never suffered? Because compassion means to suffer with. 
And think about what's the greatest suffering you've gone through in your life. Some of you might be in the middle of it. And I believe my best gifts have come out of my deepest hurts. So my loss of my daddy is a, what, is a big part of why I long for God, for God's love and the Father's love. When our daughter Anne was 16 years old, she became pregnant and with a, a boy in a little town in the mountains of Arizona, decided not to have the, keep the baby and be married. We kind of helped her decide that. <laughs> this guy that was her father, was, they weren't ready to do a family. So anyway, she had an open adoption. She interviewed three couples and, um, and decided which one would be the father of her baby. And uh, a month, or an hour after the baby was born, we were there. The adoptive parents came and they took Rachel home. That's what they named her, Rachel Ann, my daughter Ann. And so this family raised uh, Ann's daughter, and, and it's an open adoption. So this Rachel, her name is, calls me Grandpa Joe. And so that's like we're part of the family. When Ann, when she got married about five years ago, R Rachel, her birth daughter, was her flower girl in her wedding. And so it was really special. So just this week, uh, Ann told us, she doesn't always tell us things ahead of time, but she said, well, I, I uh, published a book called You Belong. And it's a, a story of adoption, which she tells to her four-year-old daughter. And, uh, and her cousin, who's a teenager, can just um, take, pass that book around, because uh, did the illustrations for it. But she tells the story as, as if she's talking to a four-year-old. Well, here's the gift that came out of Anne's pregnancy. And uh, lots of stories I could tell you that came out of that. Suffering. and. Um, you know, I, th I thought of Anne when she was 13 years old. She uh, she was screaming inside, and she uh, cut herself, and she took 130 antihistamines. She's a really sick little girl, and she she had to have her stomach pumped. She goes home and lies on a couch like this, and we had a beagle, and this beagle named Joy laid laid on the couch with her for five hours, just comforting her. And this story of how much uh, God's love can come through a comfort, even a beagle. <laughs> so, um, so we got just this golden triangle of means. We've got Holy Spirit, Jesus the Father. We've got testing. And then we've got practices, spiritual practices. They're called spiritual disciplines. Um, and one of the, skipping can be a discipline, driving on the, Free, we have a freeway in Minnesota, two lanes. <laughs> two lanes is a freeway? Okay, sorry. It's a country road in California. It is. So, you know, I, I practice a discipline of blessing people who, who uh, what are they, when they sneak, you know, stay behind you, what do, you, what do you call that? Tailgating, yes. <laughs> you know that one. And when they cut you off, and, and I bless them. Okay, it's a spiritual discipline of blessing him. You know, it really helps just to bless him with God's love. I, I can have other thoughts too, but I bless him with God's love. Um, I, um, I like to memorize chapters in the Bible. And also it helps me to study the Bible. And if you want to memorize scripture, you study it, what the words mean. You repeat it over and over. 
and you, you really takes focus. It's repetition, study, focus. So here's the best chapter on love in the Bible. You know it. How many of you memorized it? 1 Corinthians 13. So I want to just share, I think I'll have to close with this, um, just some thoughts of I studied what love is. Okay, well I do have to talk about, maybe I better tell you this, who's my neighbor? It says love my neighbor. And, um, well, if you take literally, nigh, boor, the one who is near you, the neighbor is someone we have intimate connection with. I think God loved the whole world. He says, you love your neighbor. We're not to love the whole world. And so who's my neighbor? Well, I think it starts, bless you, starts uh, with our family, where you're living with, someone we're intimately connected with. That's our neighbor, first of all. We use it to the person next door, but our neighbor is someone that we have a connection with some way, often an intimate one. Another way for me to describe when love my neighbor means to love the person in front of me. So that's what you did at the grocery store. You love the person in front of you. And, um, and there are some limitations in our resources. The Good Samaritan had compassion on the person who was robbed, but if that had happened every day of his life, he could run out of resources. So we need to be, you know, really be praying about who is it, God, you put in my heart to love. Sometimes in intercession, we pray for countries. And God just breaks your heart for a country and you weep praying for somebody. We can love through intercession. But for the, basically, I, my, my, jo my job is to love the person in front of me. Now, God has given me gifts for healing broken hearts. And so I, I know I have compassion and gifts to help people who are broken in their heart and need inner healing. Um, but here's 1 Corinthians 13. If I have, what is it, tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm what? A noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm a gong show. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith to move mountains, that's a lot of faith, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions to the poor, if I surrender my body to the flames as a martyr, but not have love, I profit, I gain nothing. Now here's a description of love. I made the mistake of having people put their name instead of love. It's not, it's all you do when you do that is end up feeling miserable, <laughs> pretty much, because you don't, you don't merit, you don't measure up. This is a description of what love looks like, not what Joe Johnson looks like. Love is this. This is what love does. Love is patient, suffers long. Suffers really long. Patient suffers long. Got it? And is kind. What's kindness? Just being empathetic, sensitive. I, one of my favorite things to say to someone in a grocery store or on the phone or even whoever has served me, thank you for your kindness. It's such a, I just love thanking people for being kind. Then Paul says love is not, does not envy, is not jealous or boastful, arrogant or rude. And I've gone after envy and it's not, I'm not done with it. That is to remove envy from my life. What is envy like? Well, it's be, being angry with someone having what I think I want, would like to have. I'm angry. I, in a way, I, I don't even care if they get it, just so I have it too. Or 
But sometimes I'm angry that they have something that I don't have. That's called envy. So I ask, why do I envy? Why do I have trouble with patience? Well, the two reasons. If I'm standing in line and I get impatient, we got in the, have you been that in the wrong line? The slow line, the person can't find their credit card, they forget their password. Can, and I, here I am. Why do I get impatient? I think I deserve a lot better than this. I deserve, it's called pride. I deserve it more than they do. And, or it could be fear, because I get afraid I'm not going to get everything done. So I look at why I, have, why I have these things. I study it. I study envy. What's about me? What's my fear? Jealousy is really fear. Love is not jealous. Are you guilty of FOMO? Have you seen that acronym? F-O-M-O? Fear of missing out. That, if you're jealous, where it's a fear, I'm going to miss out. I'm not going to get what I deserve. So I study it. So love is patient, is kind, not jealous or boastful, arrogant or rude. Love doesn't insist on its own way. You want to try practicing this one? Never having the last word. Love does not insist on its own way. Why do we get angry? Because I want my way and my will gets thwarted. So what if I just let go of having the last word? Love is not easily angered or resentful. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. That's what resenting is. I keep a record of wrong. Now notice Paul says it's not easily angered. So you, so you can get angry still, right? No. Just, just to see if you're listening. Okay. So love does not rejoice in the wrong, but rejoices in the truth. I do confess the sin of schadenfreude. You heard of that German word? Schadenfreude. Okay. Schaden is suffering, Freude is joy. Schadenfreude is getting joy out of someone's suffering. Like when which team loses, do you feel joy? <laughs> I don't know which one do you have in Minnesota. The Packers? The Yankees? Uh, me too. I get, I get, I can. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So I doesn't rejoice in wrong, rejoices in the truth. Love, 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 love is. Love always, love always, love always perseveres. Love always trusts, love always hopes. Love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. <laughs> you know the song. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. Tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, that will pass away. For our prophecies are incomplete, our knowledge is incomplete. But when the complete comes... The incomplete will pass away. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. I, I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly. Then we shall see face to face. Can you imagine? Face to face. Now we know in part, then we will know fully, even as we are fully understood. So these three abide. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is Love. Now the word for love is agape. And that you know that word. It means willing the good of someone. It, it was, I just will good. It's much more than a feeling, although compassion has a feeling to it. Your love com with compassion means to have gut love for them. But love wills the best for the object I love. I just I wish God's best for them. I will God's best for them. That's agape love. I'm going to, yeah, thank you. I'm showing you how much time I got here. 
So, um, I I want to give you a chance to to love per, love a person, but first I want to have some fun with this uh, DV clip, you know, because really there are special p places when you're with difficult people, and even this community. You're here tonight because you realize that for me to love God with all my heart and to love my neighbor, I need a community. I need a community to pray with me, to model love for me, to show me what love looks like, to mentor me, uh, to, to accept me. And so we need community. And we, I think we need community that knows how to hug. So I, I, I usually give a course in, and hugs 101. I don't know, have I done it here? Hugs 101. Who's the best, one of the best huggers in Communitas? Kevin. Kevin Miles. Come on up, Kevin. Oh, Levi. Kevin. Okay. Okay, I'll have you guys demonstrate, okay? Wait a minute. I haven't got that far yet. <laughs> Stand over here. Okay, stand side by side right. and put your arms on your shoulders. Okay, that's the buddy hug. Okay. And then, uh, let's see. Uh, lean over like this, toward facing each other. It's the A-frame. Who knows that? That's called, uh, or the, the pew hug. You don't, you don't want to get too close. Okay, then try this. Kind of uh, just put your arms, like you were giving a bear hug only hit each other on the back. That's called the burp. <laughs> Try it again. Okay, and then massage each other's back. Yeah. That's called the back rub. Okay. And then we show me, face each other and do the fist bump. And a high five. And what else? <laughs> and a bear hug. <laughs> and a good and a good old bear hug. Let's give him a hand. <laughs> okay. I want to show you this clip now and I'm gonna give you a quiz. You're gonna see you can go be down. you can be seated. This is a this is a clip of um, yeah. I do have, when, I, when you hug children, you definitely, you know, you need to get on your knees. And when I would do chapel for kids, I would say, well, now I'm going to give you a hug on your way out. If you like, you can wave at me or give me a fist bump. And I say, I like the bear hugs the best. And I'm kneeling down one day and one kid walks by me and he waves and he says, hi, God. <laughs> I couldn't wait to tell my wife. And of course, she said, you won't hear that in our house. So, <laughs> so here we go. I'm going to give you a quiz, different kinds of hugs on this. It's free. They're doing free hugs in the marketplace in Italy.
call this a virtual hug when you just kind of look at someone and, and then don't hug you just go like this but then they did end up hugging <laughs> there's some other kinds of hugs you maybe saw there's some group hugs and the cheek hug and kissing on the kissing on the cheek and forgot else what else was in there running, running hug yeah that's a really good one so for the ministry time with each other tonight could I facilitate that that, well, how much time do you have? No, we got plenty of time. In fact, I'd like to share something. Okay. Oh, um, 
Joe came to our church, Trinity huh. Lutheran, and we had a seminar. I think it was an all-day seminar, and there were um, between 90 and 100 who were there. At the end of the seminar, I was sitting near the back, and Joe said, we're going to have an altar call, but we're not going to speak words. We're going to hug people. And I've always liked Joe. So I thought, Joe, what are you doing? And he, he in, uh, invited a few of the people. He, I think it was the church council. Uh, I said anybody who needed it, had never been held or needed a father's hug to come up. And but you had the people up in front. Oh, no, did standing. I? Uh, didn't you have some people? No, it was just people that wanted to be held or hugged. Oh. But who, who would hug who? Then I commissioned everybody else in the church to go up and hold them, I think. Well, maybe I didn't do it that way then. Anyway, <laughs> however it happened, uh, Gifford was standing, he, one of the leaders was standing up in front, and the fr I wondered, is this going to work? The first person to get up was a wounded associate pastor who was six feet eight, and he couldn't, he couldn't hide, no way. He walked forward, and he fell into the arms of Gifford Grobin, mm. and he cried for 20 minutes. I timed it. <laughs> <laughs> that just, that broke things open, and the altar call lasted for an hour and a half, mm. and there were not words, but there were lots of love, lots of healing. So, I go to Norway, <laughs> and I think, it works. we're going to do something different at the end. We're going to have an altar call, and we're going to have a hug without words. And they said, okay, let's try it. <laughs> so we got the leadership up front, and uh, there were nine of us up front. And I said, okay, now we're going to have hugging time. We're not going to pray for you, we're going to hug you. I waited, and, waited. and then I started talking to myself, you idiot. <laughs> of course it happened, because Joe was there, but it's not going to happen here. These are Norwegians. And I said, okay, I'm going to count to ten. One. Out loud? No. At ten, I'm going to sit down. I got to nine. An old man got up, <laughs> fell into the arms of George Johnson, uh, who was standing next to me. Then they poured, mm. they poured forward. And the next day, this old man said, thank you for raising forward. Yeah. It's very difficult for most, for Norwegians to share emotions. <laughs> <laughs> so I was so thankful. <laughs> Okay, so I'll, for the ministry time, I want you to find someone that you don't know and pair up with them and just sit down side by side, and I'll tell you what to do next. Yeah, Everybody stand up. If It's okay, if, but I prefer to get someone you're not dating or you don't know, uh, and just sit down side by side.
And then I'll tell you what to do next. Wave your hand if you need a partner. Look at someone. Just hold your hand up. They've already started. <laughs>